SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Let's roll. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenci. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between. We're breaking it down. It's level three. It's the quickest 180 minutes in sports talk radio. We're talking college football, so let's keep it going right now. Now, we had uh, Brett Beard on the program. Um, First Coast uh, Sports Jacksonville, uh, 9.30 a.m. First Coast uh, Sports Television, talk SEC football. And we ran the gauntlet. Uh, we talked about you know a bunch of these SEC uh, games this week. Uh, Brent Beard steps up and in and joins us. Steve Merrill uh, kicks it with us as well. So let me just keep on blasting through my picks, right? Because this is what it's all about. What are we betting on? What are we betting on? Next Friday night this time, we'll be talking about the National Football League. So I'm pulling the trigger. Give me the Penn State Nittany Lions plus the points. Give me Penn State plus the points at Wisconsin. Here's one. This game, you know, I shouldn't bet it. This is going to be a smaller bet. It's just sort of one of those, you know, it's just one of those gut instinct type things. I don't have any, you know, I can't tell you, oh, this is, they're going to win for sure. Why? But uh, I like Maryland. I think Maryland can win this game on their home field against West Virginia. Small play, though. This is a recreational small play. Uh, we talked about liking Lafayette and uh, the Raging Cajuns, and I really do like these guys a lot. I think they can win this game outright. I'm telling you right now, I sort of almost have the vision of like Texas lighting up for a game-winning field goal. Uh, late, you know what I mean? At the end of regulation type of thing in this game. And I, you know, it's funny. It's like a dream. I don't know how it ends. Right? <laughs> Honestly, I think Texas win by three. That's how it ends. I can see it now. It'll be it'll be a tie game. And Texas will have the ball late, and the kid will kick a field goal. And Steve Sarkeesian will run off the field and enjoy. Hey, he wins his first game in Texas by three points, but the Raging Cajuns get the cover. Uh, that's, that's the way I'm looking at that game. Um, I am going to be laying a little bit of chalk. So, listen, we're on Penn State plus the points. Little Little play on Maryland plus the points. Um, Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, plus the points. So you see, we like some underdogs. Now we get into the pick'em style games. I like Clemson to beat Georgia. Give me Dabo over Kirby, baby. Um, so I like Clemson to beat Georgia. I like LSU to beat um, UCLA. We've talked a lot about that game. I like the San Diego State Aztecs to cover against New Mexico State uh, as well. I want to get into that uh, San Jose State uh, game against the USC Trojans. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates. I am Gable Morenci. It's the Friday Night Freak Show, and the countdown is over. College football is here. You know that, man. We've been betting on this all week, man. And, in fact, we got other football, too. We got CFL football. And before you say, whoa, 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 I'm not betting on the CFL. Well, number one, the games are on ESPN. So, yeah, you are because you can watch them. 
and uh, or ESPN News, ESPN Plus, ESPN Two, or ESPN whatever. But every CFL game is on, and we'll just throw it out there though, just sort of blindly, because hey, listen, I watch it all, right? So I'll have all the games up, but. I get it. It's week one, CFL, you know, college football, CFL. But I'll tell you, they played 15 games in the CFL, guys, and 12 of them have gone under the number. But, I, you know, I don't think that they're all going to go under the number uh, this week. You can never just sort of bet things up blindly. So I will tell you this, and I'll throw it out there. Uh, the Toronto-Hamilton game, that's the one I think there's going to be points in. Uh, you know, Toronto and Hamilton, I can see them getting uh, getting after it. And speaking of totals, uh, we got uh, UMass and the Pittsburgh Panthers, all right? Is it a glamorous game? No, it's an ugly game, all right? But it's going to be even uglier for UMass. UMass are one of the worst teams in college football along with New Mexico State. Sort of like the Baltimore Orioles, guys, all right? It's sort of like the Baltimore Orioles. You know, when they were losing... Guys, they lost 18 games in a row and 17 of them. Or it was 19 in a row and uh, 18 of them were by more than uh, one and a half runs. And as we talk about, why don't overcomplicate things, right? If a team is this bad and they're losing every day and you can just you know, lay a run and a half every day, just do it. So it's the same thing. Like, we know. Who are the worst teams in college football? We know who they are. UConn. Well, UConn just lost 45 nothing. They got 27 and a half points. They lost 45 nothing last week. Right? Like we know who are the New Mexico State. New Mexico State were getting nine and a half points against a terrible UTEP team. UTEP beat them 30 to three. We also know that UMass are right there on the list. Like it's debatable. They're on the hit list. Dick Clark, baby. Casey Kasem. And where are those pictures I asked for? Um, they're, they're on the list. New Mexico State. So why overthink things? We know UMass are terrible. Bet against them. We know New Mexico State are terrible. Bet against them. Late night anger management class. The Friday Night Free Show. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The late-night anger match will class continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Brenzi. The countdown to kickoff is on. Forget about week zero. It's week one, man. And we've got five top 25 matchups in week one for the first time ever in college football history. There's a ton of stuff to unpack, and there's a ton of games, and there's a ton of teams I want to talk to with college football analysts from First Coast News. He's a Heisman Trophy voter, co-host of College Sports Today on Sports Radio 930 AM in Jacksonville, Florida. Brent Beard steps up and in and joins us. Brent, happy college football season. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Davis, as close to Christmas maybe as we get before we actually get the real thing, but great, great opening week that goes through next Monday night. I wish we could do it every week. 
I'll tell you what, too, and I mentioned that there's five top 25 matchups this week, and that doesn't even include LSU and UCLA, which is one of the football games that I'm most looking forward to watching. But there's a ton of teams, ton of games I want to get to, so let's jump in. Uh, let's start off at the top uh, with Alabama. And it seems like it's deja vu. Um, all over again, as the great Yogi Berra once uh, stated, uh, Brent, in which every year we hear about what Alabama lost. And this seems to be, you know, this case more so than ever this year. Wow, they lost Waddle. They lost uh, Smith. Um, you know, Sarkeesian's not there. Oh, yeah, Mac Jones is now the starting quarterback uh, of the New England Patriots. Najee Harris, uh, Patrick Sertan. We can go on. I get it. They're all great players. But I don't think there's enough emphasis on the players that are actually there at Alabama still, but they do have a new offensive coordinator with Bill O'Brien coming in. What kind of transition are you expecting? The odds makers have these guys as 18 and a half point favorites over Miami. Is that a little bit too much? Um, what are you expecting from Alabama early in the season, Brent? I think because they're breaking in a new quarterback with Bryce Young, even though Bryce played a little bit last year, Mac Jones was the starter. Bryce got in on mop-up duty. So uh, what they might do, because they've got a little bit of transition also, Gabe, on the offensive line, is you may see Bama running the ball a little bit more, uh, and particularly in the first half in this game, just to get Bryce young comfortable but look when you've got the guys that he has brian robinson uh and also trey sanders who was in a difficult car wreck uh last year but has really rehabbed his way back and then you've got john mechie and the weapons they've got slade bolden uh, i think they'll find some safe way to get those guys the ball in the beginning and and, and listen Dave, people haven't said much about this this bama defense very likely could be the best defense that they have had since 2016. And one of the mainstays on that defensive line, LeBron Ray, who had a groin injury, Nick Saban said uh, today that he will be back for the game. So uh, this may not be the team like last year that scored uh, an average 40-something points a game particularly out uh, of the shoot, the way they've gone. But a good test with Miami, with Derek King coming back. Uh, and that, that's going to be one of the real keys will be that can uh, the Miami offensive line protect Derek King against a very good Alabama front seven on defense. Uh, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban are obviously uh, good friends. And would you agree with the assessment that, you know, we know Belichick, he has a game uh, week by week game plan, right? You know, some teams yeah. have their playbook and they're going to run their playbook, whether it works or not. Belichick will look to attack your weaknesses. And we've seen Saban, Saban evolve over the years. And we've talked about his evolution, but what's your opinion on the offensive coordinator now with Bill O'Brien coming in? Because it's almost like every year, every couple of years, Coach Saban has a new coordinator and like a younger guy or an older guy. He he can he he's not afraid of hiring coordinators with different no. philosophies, right? You don't have no, to think absolutely. like he does, and you don't have to think like the last guy I had either, right? Uh, exactly. Now it's going to be a very interesting chess match between Bill O'Brien. Manny Diaz, the Miami head coach, is now calling the signals 
for the defense. So he basically is the defensive coordinator. I, I think, again, Brian will be fine. It will be interesting to see what kind of transition that they have got. They may not throw it all over the field immediately like Steve Sarkeesian did uh, in, in last year's national championship year. But Saban has said nothing but good things about O'Brien and what he has done for them so far. Uh, and, and Gabe, as you know, I mean, the guy has been in the NFL. He's been in NFL administration. There really is nothing he hasn't seen because he's coached also uh, at Penn State. Uh, and because of that, I think this would be a, a, a fairly easy transition as it goes along. To be honest, in my opinion, I think the probably his best work was probably at Penn State in a very difficult probably. situation at the time. Right, Brett? Uh, listen, absolutely, Gabe. He was hailed as a hero when he was at Penn State and how he basically picked up the pieces of that program. Now, obviously, he wasn't there very long because he wanted to go back to the NFL, uh, but I, w- I would concur with that very much. Did a tremendous job at Penn State. So as far as the Miami Hurricanes are concerned, there's a lot of hype about this football team and um, and Coach Diaz and, and, of course, the Eric King. This is a tough matchup uh, in week one. What's your take on, on the Canes in a big picture moving forward? The odds makers set their win total at over under nine and a half uh, this year. Is this a 10-win team, in your opinion? Is this a nine-win team? They do go to Chapel Hill, but um, we know the heels are, are sort of – you know, rebuilding. They lost a ton of talent. They're not Alabama, so I don't know if they can replace that as easy. There's a couple of tricky spots on the Canes schedule, but what's your outlook on the Canes coming into the year, Brent? Well, they're pretty close to us, obviously, being here in Florida, so we have a lot of Miami fans in the area, and there's some optimism. They returned 10 starters on offense. Uh, well, we have mentioned Derek King coming back from the ACL injury that he got in the bowl game, so he's going to be able to play and play very quickly. Uh, Dom Chaney, Cam Harris, a pretty good running backs. I'm not sure, and the, and we've already talked to some Miami beat writers, Gabe, who that have told us that it probably is a mismatch between the Miami offensive line and the Alabama front seven. So uh, it, I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball uh, that much at all, frankly. But I do think they've got their improved on defense. They've got guys who are in the transfer portal like Tyreek Stevenson. Bubba Bolden has played with them for a while now. Uh, they've also got Keyshawn Washington. Uh, so it, it's a it's a Miami team overall. They can come out of this game and come out of this game healthy. They very well may be going in the right direction. But, again, got to improve the running game. And the real problem they had, Gabe, as you remember, is they lost – several of those pass rushers to the NFL. So I would say the two big things they've got to correct, get the running game going and find somebody who can put pressure on the opposing quarterback. And guys, I would note as well, Miami's linebackers are fast, but they're not big. Three of the four kids are 212 pounds or, or lighter, which could be a problem against Alabama when those big boys um, start start to wear on you. What's what's the deal with Zion uh, Nelson? Um, is is he out? Is he in? They've kind of been a little bit secretive about this um, uh, as far as the Canes are concerned, the left tackle. Uh, and we may not have an answer to that to Saturday. Uh, frankly, Gabe, uh, it is somewhat. And again, coaches, particularly in a big game like this, are pretty close to the best. 
kind of a day-to-day type thing. So uh, I, I think we'll know certainly more by uh, Friday, but, but it, this may be more of a game-time decision than it is anything else. Uh, Brett Beard with us. I really enjoyed talking college uh, football. And, man, I said there's a lot of games you want to get to. We've only got another segment, and we spent all this time on uh, this game. So we'll we'll go rapid fire on the other side. Sure. We'll start to blast. we got Clemson and Georgia. Really excited about this LSU and UCLA game on Saturday night in Pasadena, California. Sports Rage Late Night continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Late Night Anger Match for Crafts continues. Series XM Channel 204 Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, including the Mightier 1090 in Southern California. I'm really excited for UCLA and LSU, but before we get to that game, let's talk about Clemson and uh, Georgia. Now, you're a Heisman Trophy voter, and the two quarterbacks in this game are at the top of the um, you know top of the favorites list. Uh, right there with Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell. Such a massive football game for for everybody involved, but I think more so for the Georgia program. Can Kirby Smart step up and win a game like this? And then, you know, we, we saw what DJ could do against Notre Dame and Boston College. I'm really excited about this game. And I'll pretext this. I'll throw it out there, and I'll throw it to you as we're in conversation with Brett Beard. Um, I didn't know about JT uh, going to the SEC. You know, I was wondering, all right, you know, you're coming from USC. I wondered if he was, I thought he was a little small, but, you know, he had a good year last year. So he shut me up. A big football game, big-time quarterbacks. Talk to me about the big-time matchup here, Brent. Just an incredible game. Uh, frankly, two teams that are so close to each other. JT Daniels did a tremendous job uh, for Georgia. Doesn't it make you wonder, Dave, if he'd have played the whole season last year for the Dogs, what they could have done. But but when he got in, he played very well, throws a great deep ball. Uh, But I think the thing for Georgia, uh, they've obviously had uh, injuries uh, with these wide receivers. A lot of people are pointing this out. Good news this week, he won't play Saturday, but Dominic Blaylock, who has been hurt for a while, went through surgery, doing much better now. He is going to be playing sometime over the uh, the, the month of September. Uh, so they're very excited about that. Darnell Washington, they're tied in six foot seven. Unfortunately, he is out for this game. But look, they've still got receivers. And I think these guys, uh, along with the running backs, uh, maybe the deepest running back group with Zamir White, Kendall Milton, James Cook, Kenny McIntosh, that's going to make a big difference. But I can tell you right now, and and talk with some Clemson beat writers this week, Gabe, the big uh, confrontation in this game is going to be the rebuilt Georgia offensive line against a, a Clemson defensive line. Now, people remember Clemson last year, the don't they gave for that team that was just basically dismantled in the playoffs. Well, this team's healthy. They're back together. Watch for that uh, conflict between that Clemson D-line and the Georgia offensive line. I think that very well is going to depend on who wins this game. Such a fascinating matchup as the Clemson Tigers defense is absolutely loaded. 
What about, is there a weakness or is it overrated when looking at a weakness? Uh, but you know, Georgia do have some issues in the secondary with injuries, right? Can Clemson throw the football on Georgia? And what are you expecting from DJ coming into this year? I talked to somebody that saw him at a quarterback camp this year. And when he went, when like he walked onto the field, people were like, who's that? Is that like a defensive lineman? Is that like, who's this guy? <laughs> like, yeah. He's like bigger than Cam Newton, this kid, huh? <laughs> Oh, well, he is 6'4", 250. Uh, My and God. He just, he just, uh, Gabe, he's just a behemoth, if one it amounts to. Now, Clemson beat writers will tell you very quickly, a lot of people think Clemson does not have any wide receivers. Well, the reality is they will tell you they've, not, they've got 10 of them. And they, are, they are loaded at wide receiver, led by Justin Ross, who is one of the better wide receivers, obviously out last year uh, with that injury, uh, and he is back. But look, safe to say that uh, I think the two things people may be very surprised about will be how good this defensive line is for Clemson and particularly how deep and how strong a group uh, that these Clemson wide receivers are. Good, good, astute point uh, on your part because Clemson, has had to bring some guys in. Tyke Smith transferred from West Virginia. Unfortunately, with a foot injury, he's not going to be able to play. So, huge matchup, absolute, between the Clemson wide receivers uh, in that Georgia secondary. Brent Beard uh, with us on Sports Rage Late Night. I am Gabriel Morenci, Sirius XM, Channel 204. When I look at this this football game, it's just hard for me, hard for me not to give Dabo Sweeney the benefit of the doubt here, when he has months to prepare for a contest uh, like this. We know that Georgia have recruited the hell out of things uh, over the last couple of years, and this isn't a be all end all game. But I tell you what, the momentum for the dogs, man, nationally, um, those hedges will be on fire, man. Like people will be going crazy if they can win this game. I got Clemson though. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Who are you leaning with sure. in this game? I, I'm still leaning it and pick it earlier in the week with Georgia. Uh, I think this is a game with JT Daniels and how he has improved that, that they will be able to win. Uh, and, and Gabe, here's the reality. If Georgia wins this game, they will likely go unscathed until they come here to Jacksonville to play Florida. Yeah. So uh, that, that, that's a very important for them. Now, look, the, the playoff committee is going to give the loser the benefit of the doubt because they actually played a game like this against the top five foe. But uh, it, it, at the same time, and some, some Clemson beat writers made us aware of this, all this talk in the offseason has been about uh, – can Georgia win the big game like Clemson? But after Clemson really took it on the chin during the playoffs, the beat writers from Clemson have told us this may as be as big a game for Clemson as is it Georgia. So the intangible is important in this game too. That is a good point. Yeah, I mean, it's curious. I don't know. I think they, they lost a little hunger. 
I think if you're Trevor Lawrence, he wouldn't admit it. But, you know, you know you're the number one pick in the National Football League draft. So it's a good point that uh, that they raised and that you raised as far as Clemson bouncing back and showing that hunger. But we've seen Dabo bounce back. And an angry Dabo Sweeney He's a dangerous Dabo Sweeney. So speaking of bouncing back, we got a couple of minutes left, Brett. Uh, you know, very, very curious and excited to hear your take about LSU. I'll tell you what, people... People, the odds makers and the public this week, there seems to be a big reaction to UCLA and what they did against Hawaii. And yeah, it was a nice win. But I think people should settle down a little bit. And I've read so many previews about LSU coming into the year and and, and breakdowns about, oh, this defense, they need to be better. And they gave up 35 points a game. It was clearly a schematic issue. They clearly didn't deal with the pandemic well. They lost 14 players to the National Football League draft. Um, was it all Bo Pelini's fault? I'm not just going to pin it on uh, Coach Pelini. Uh, but I do believe that it was kind of an aberration last year. And LSU are ready to, like, punch people in the mouth. I think they got a chip on their shoulder. I think they go into the Rose Bowl and win this football game. But I tell you what, it's only a two-and-a-half-point point spread, which is really surprising to me that it's this light when you got an SEC team versus the Pac-12 like this. Talk to me about this matchup. LSU is significantly better than UCLA. Uh, now, look, I, I like what um, Chip Kelly is doing. They rebounded well toward the end of last year. And I, as you said, a nice win last week. Dorian Thompson-Robinson at quarterback is very dangerous. Uh, Charbonnet at running back is dangerous, too. But they – look, Gabe – they haven't faced anything like LSU. There'll be more LSU fans in the Rose Bowl than there will be UCLA fans, uh, frankly. So that, that that will be any kind of a surprise. This is how much I think about this LSU team. I think they may end up second to Alabama in the SEC West, even over everybody's favorite Texas A&M. The reason is basically everybody comes back on the line yeah. of scrimmage. Uh, and you alluded to this a few minutes ago. Uh, now, look, uh, they can't get Max Johnson hurt. Uh, that's for sure after Miles Brennan is out. But uh, Kayshawn Boutte is a tremendous wide receiver. Uh, they they're, will be very good with Tyrone Davis-Price, John Emery. But, but when you basically return everybody on your offensive line except one starter and virtually every literal player on the defensive line uh, in that league, that's when you're really good. Uh, this could be a good game for a while, but uh, UCLA has nowhere near the roster, Gabe, that LSU does. Uh, Brent Beard uh, with us. Uh, all right, Brent, unfortunately, we've only got about a minute and a half left. And, man, I've really enjoyed talking college football with you. What's the upset? What's the upset this week? Speaking of Sarkeesian, Man, you want to talk about a loaded football team. The Raging Cajuns uh, roll into Austin. They're a loaded football team. Is that a dangerous spot? Is that a potential upset? What, uh, what do you think about that game quickly? And is there another game we didn't talk about flying under the radar that you like this week? Uh, look, in this game, um, the uh, Louisiana re returns 20 of 22 players. Billy Napier is a tremendous program builder, was on Nick Saban's staff. That won't surprise me at all uh, if they really are able to, to make a name for themselves uh, with that kind of an upset. Uh, I, look, uh, this may be far-fetched, Gabe, but... Uh, and Tallahassee's pretty close to us, two and a half hours away. Oh, Would yeah. it shock you? Would it shock you if FSU beat Notre Dame with that? For Coach Bowden. Do it for Coach Bowden, huh? 
Yes. Yes, and he will be honored uh, during the game in various ways. And again, not only in Bookgate, but most of that offensive line is in the NFL. If Mackenzie Milton or uh, Travis, George Jordan Travis, uh, will can they find a quarterback? This FSU team could be a lot better, and we think it is. Guys, I tell you what, we got to get out of here, but I'll tell you what, it's not like FSU haven't had players and haven't recruited over the years either. It just hasn't come together for them on the field. Uh, Brent Beard uh, with us. We encourage people to follow Brent. If you love college football, then you definitely got to follow Brent Beard on uh, Twitter. Brent, I look forward to talking to you again, sir. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Enjoy the games. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. Thank you. Enjoy the week of football. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You want some of this, don't you? Yeah! Well, you need to know the winners, and I know the winners. So call me now. Whoa! $5 for the first minute, $2 for each additional minute. You have reached the coach's hot line. Line. Yeah, lay it on me, coach. In the game of my MA mm-hmm. versus Sin- Cincinnati. Sin- Cincinnati. Not Cincinnati. Come on, come on. Don't you realize this is costing me money? We- the Late Night Anger Management Class. This is Sports Rage. I am Renzi. We're kicking it with Steve Merrill. Wager talk. College football. Let's do it. Let's do it. Georgia, uh, plus two and a half against Clemson, and we were discussing the coaching matchup of Kirby Smart versus Dabo Sweeney uh, with months to prepare, and you know, uh, Steve, I always kid and say, I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong, because it's so rare, Uh, but (laughs) I will admit... And I don't know how you feel about uh, JT Daniels, the quarterback of Georgia, but he's one of the front runners for the Heisman as well. I was not his biggest fan um, with the USC Trojans, and they weren't either, obviously. And he ends up at Georgia, and then I question how he was going to do in the SEC. But he did play well last year, so there's high expectations. Uh, but you talk about that defense, and you look at Georgia, and they've got some concerns in the secondary, Steve. So, you know, I guess the, the question is, how good is this young talent on offense that Clemson has? Because we know they've got the quarterback. But for me, and I think, you know, I think in the NFL, there's only so much a coach can do. But football, would you agree with this, Steve? You know, we talk about other sports. You know, baseball, there's some managing. But basically, it's just keep the clubhouse going, right? Keep the clubhouse going. Um, basketball. It's controlled by the players for the most part, right? I'm not saying coaches are irrelevant, but college football, Steve, the coaches really do have an impact. Like, they can guide their teams to victory. They can come up with a game plan. They can do enough. And and Dabo, I trust. I trust Dabo Sweeney a hell of a lot more than I do Kirby Smart. Kirby's done a great job recruiting, but he hasn't uh, gotten past the finish line on the field, Steve. Hey, look, there's not many pro sports. I mean, pro basketball and NFL, I very seldom have any handicapping angles that revolve around the coaches. You know, maybe yeah, maybe in the yeah. NFL or NBA, some revenge angles or awful loss type stuff. But college football and college basketball, both, both college sports, it's a heavy part of my handicapping because you are dealing with 18, 19, 20-year-old kids and game planning and, you know, motivation, all that stuff plays a bigger role. 
Um, I do think Clemson will reload on offense. And uh, during the commercial break, by the way, I was practicing to get back into form. I, I had it down last October. It's Ui Angalele. Ui Angalele. Okay. Uh, uh, it's not, it's, it's oh not too bad. It's six syllables, but it kind of flows. Ui Angalele. But, uh, Angalele, you're, way, you're, you're okay. Dead. Yeah, you're right about the Heisman stuff. I mean, you've made a fortune in recent years betting long shots. I mean, let's just put this in perspective. Last year, Devontae Smith, Smith wins it. He's not even the he's not even the, he, the first favorite at his position on his team in the Heisman odds. Waddle was ahead of yeah. him in the preseason odds. Another receiver from yeah. the same school. I mean, that's insane. Um, you look at Joe Burrow. I mean, I think he kind of came out of nowhere. The, 180 to 1, Steve, the, Joe Burrow. Johnny Manziel so came out of nowhere. And the year before, that's the one I always give an example of, 2011, RG3, Robert Griffin III. Now, he was in the running, but Andrew Luck was running away with it. And in November, you could have gotten RG3 at 100 to 1. Andrew Luck was like wow. 1 to 10, and RG3 was 100 to 1 a month before the Heisman. You could have watched nine weeks of the season and still got him at 100 to 1. And then the year before that, 2010, we've come full circle today on the show. Cam Newton wasn't even listed in the odds. He wasn't even listed as the starting quarterback for Auburn in some of the preseason <laughs> magazines, and he wins the Heisman and the national title. That's and the championship. Right. That's how crazy <laughs> this award's been. That, that's amazing, Steve, that you rattle that stuff off. And it goes, yeah, it really goes to show how you really can come out of nowhere and, and win. Uh, after Benzel, uh, that was four years straight. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off, but he was a true freshman. Yeah, one after he another. And it's, yeah, it's insane. And Manzo was And think about it, too. Because well. you see after, and people would think after, well, must have been obvious, obvious that Joe Burrow would have been one of the Heisman front runners. Look, the guy's throwing eight touchdown passes a game. One of the greatest college seasons ever. No, and I remember because we had Phil Steele on, and I asked him, what about a Phil, what, who do you like for the win Heisman? He goes, I know this sounds crazy, but uh, keep an eye out, Joe Burrow, 170-1, to 180-1, to 1, LSU. And he also says, I think LSU are a dominant team this year. <laughs> and they won the title. And that's why he's Phil Steele. And, uh, and his magazine is as popular as it is. So speaking of Paul, Popular. Uh, we were all over Illinois last week, Steve, as you remember. They get it done. They win the game outright. They lose their quarterback, and they still win the game outright. Interesting now that I'm seeing five and a half up on the board against UTSA, who some people think are a dangerous team, the Roadrunners rolling in there. But, you know, can, can Illinois follow up a nice upset victory by covering and five and a half point spreads are always weird, Steve. That's even even odds makers have told me. When it's five and a half, stay away. That's what guys have told me before. What do you make of the, the number here with Illinois against UTSA? Yeah, I mean the first thing that jumps out to you do have a team with one game under their belt, you know, and that's an angle that works well in the NFL preseason. You know, when a team has played that Hall of Fame game or has an extra week, it's something that has worked over the years. And college football obviously you don't really get any preseason. You get a little bit of scrimmaging and that's it. So Illinois should have an edge in that regard. Are a little banged up, like you said though. But UTSA is a dangerous team this year. I know I talk about all these returning starters, but they got like 21 returning starters. They basically have their entire team back that went a solid 7-5 and five straight up last year, 7-4 and four against the number. It's the second year under head coach Jeff Trailer. So, you know, once again, for a team like them to go 7-5 and five last year in their first year with no preseason is impressive, and now everybody's back. So they should be even better. Um, I think that's a dangerous game for Illinois, even though they have a game under their belt. 
<clears throat> Steve Merrill, major talk, kicking it with us. Uh, Steve, so speaking of which, perfect segue into a big football game uh, Saturday night at the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles or Pasadena, to be specific. LSU and UCLA. UCLA were very impressive, albeit against Hawaii. Um, and, and um, you know, they covered the number. They took the pedal off the medal in the second half. So they roll into this football game. I don't know if you know, Steve, what the advance number was for this. Because I'm seeing two and a half right now at FanDuel. And that that surprises me. SEC, so LSU have not played a game yet. How much stock, you know, how much did you like what you saw from UCLA? And can they battle? Because I got to tell you, UCLA are getting a lot of respect from the odds maker right now. I mean, back in like mid-summer, I saw some fours out there, LSU minus four. Um, so I guess you can say that was kind of the opener. Because um, I know, thought it was six-ish. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw maybe a four-and-a-half in May, some fours in, like, July, and then, like, a three-and-a-half in early August. So it really is not too so, far okay. off. So it's not that off. Result. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, last week's result didn't really change it much, I guess you could say. Although, three-and-a-half to three is a key move. I mean, three is the most important number. Uh, Over-under, it was as high as 70-and-a-half. I'm now seeing 65-and-a-halves. Um, so I do think the total maybe has come down a little bit from what the advanced numbers are going to be. Um, in fact, uh, I saw some advanced lines in the high 60s a few weeks ago. So maybe a little bit of move to the under in this one. It's still a pretty big number. Uh, LSU obviously is a very tricky team to handicap. Um, they went from being dominant like we just talked about two years ago, winning the national title. You know, to really they, they suffered a lot of losses. And they were not at that level where they could just rebuild, Gabe. You know, they weren't at that Alabama level. Even though they won the national title like Clemson and Bama has done, I think we saw last year that LSU wasn't as deep, and they weren't able to rebuild. Um, they do have basically everybody back this year. They've got 17 returning starters. Um, they did play better down the stretch. They, of course, had that big upset one over Florida as a three-touchdown dog. They followed it up with a high score and went against Ole Miss in the bowl game. And once again, Ole Miss was playing better. They'd, they'd won four other games heading into that bowl. So we might get some value with LSU this season. I'm still not sold on UCLA. You know, like you said, easy game last week. Um, the Bruins should be improved this year, and I think the Pac-12 is definitely down a notch for the most part. I uh, just don't think uh, – I think we could all agree the Pac-12 is not at the same level as the SEC, and UCLA was just a 3-4 and four team last year. They got 20 guys back, uh, but I think LSU is probably the more talented squad. Yeah, guys, I think this is an overreaction to, to what UCLA did a little bit. And I agree with you, Steve. It shouldn't mean anything. They did what they should have done. They did what they were supposed to do, right? Um, and, and But they look good doing it, and I understand. You know, I understand the hype coming into this football game. I, I totally get it. And normally I'd want to buy in and go, man, you know what? There could be an upset here. But you talked about it, Stephen. To defend Coach Orgeron and, and the LSU Tigers, they were one program. They didn't deal with COVID well at all last year. All right? Like, they got it a bunch of times. They lost a bunch of players. Uh, look, Jamar Chase, the stud wide receiver, opted out. They had opt-outs, Steve. Right? So they had opt-outs. They lost guys. It's pretty hard to rebuild after you lose Joe Burrow, too. It sort of caught him off guard. And honestly, from you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they got nine starters back on defense. And you know these kids are studs on LSU on defense. They got bad coaching. They had a Pelini in the house. Right? They got rid of Pelini. They, they, they're basically blaming the schemes and I think LSU are right there uh, a lot of people that are close to the SEC think LSU could be undefeated going into that Bama game 
I think it's a little bit overreaction. I don't see how we don't like LSU, even though they haven't played a game. Too much talent, Steve. Defensive, I think defensively are where it'll matter. They'll blow up some of the UCLA stuff. And you talked about that total. The UCLA Bruins defense, Steve, is better than people realize, too. I'm not ready to pull the trigger on you over this game. I'd be looking at the under here. You know, it's funny. Their championship season two years ago, they put up 48 points a game. You know, they go 15-0, the most dominant offense we've seen in recent history, if ever. The year before that, they scored 32 a game. They went 10-3. and three. Last year, they scored 32 a game, and they went 5-5 five and five with the bowl win. So, you know, their offense wasn't bad. Like you said, it was the defense yeah, last yeah. year. They'd given up 22 points or less each of the three previous seasons. They gave up 35 last year. That's um, unheard of for LSU, Steve. 35 for the LSU Tigers? Yeah, and, and keep in mind, though, their championship season, giving up 22, you know, Bama gives up like 12 or 14 normally in their championship season. So that defense wasn't fantastic. They just outscored everybody so fast. They didn't they have to be. Quicker. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's still a concern. I mean, they only got eight guys back on that D, and they weren't good last year. But, you know, you look at that Mississippi game, they outscored them in that bowl game 53-48. They beat Florida, as I mentioned, 37-34. You know, they were putting up some serious points down the stretch. I just don't know if UCLA can keep up. Yeah, you got to talk. Listen, if the Pac-12, every, and I like the Pac-12 more than I think you do, or a lot of, I defend the Pac-12. Like, I think it's good. But, if I mean, the LSU's a top-tier SEC team. All right, they had a down year last year, whatever, as a pandemic. It is what it is. But... UCLA aren't even a top-tier Pac-12 team. They could be. They're on the way up, maybe, right? But I don't think Chip Kelly wins this game. And I still think UCLA have a nice season, Steve, but I got to go with the LSU Tigers here. I am a little surprised by the total, like you said, dropping from 70, you know, mid-high 60s down to 65, because like we just talked about, LSU was a pure overplay last year. Chip Kelly has always been a pure overplay. You know, I'm not quite sure where that under money's coming from. Smart money, I think. <laughs> I don't like the word sharp. Let's use smart. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of Miss, Steve, a lot of hype about this football team coming into this year. A lot of hype. Are you are you one of the people that's buying? Do you think they're going to be this like explosive machine? Yeah, I actually did three videos tonight with our man Tony Finn for wagertalk.com. And the third game we did a video for, which will be up on YouTube in the next day or so, is uh, the Louisville-Mississippi game here. Uh, my power ratings make Ole Miss 13 in this one. The line's currently 10. It opened as low as 7 this summer, mostly 8.5 elsewhere. Um, so I do think yeah, they're wow, there for yeah. real, and I think they'll outscore them in this one. Because you want points? Total 75.5. <laughs> you want points? There's points. The late-night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, we're into the three-minute warning. The quickest 180 minutes of Sports Talk Radio. I am Gabriel Renzi. Thanks to our crew, uh, Matthias and uh, Ventra and everybody else in between Cardano and uh, for all the work that everybody has uh, put in throughout the week. And it's Labor Day weekend uh, this weekend. And trust me, there's a lot of labor that goes on behind the scenes at this network, uh, you know, on-air, off-air for everybody uh, involved. And it's the calm before the storm. Literally and figuratively, as uh, we're going to be off for a couple of days. No uh, late-night anger management class on Sunday or Monday. But we're going to be back on Tuesday night. 
and then we're off and running because the National Football League season starts, uh, obviously, next Thursday. So let's do this thing on the way out here. Uh, give me the Penn State Nittany Lions plus the points. Michigan minus the points. So Penn State uh, plus the points at Wisconsin. Michigan minus the points. They're going to smoke Western Michigan. Small play on Maryland plus three against, uh, against West Virginia. I like uh, Lafayette uh, a lot against Texas, plus uh, the points, the Raging Cajuns. We talked a lot about it. Give me Dabo Sweeney, man. Dabo Sweeney and DJ, all due respect to Kirby and JT. I think Clemson get this game done uh, in Charlotte. Give me Clemson on the money line. Give me LSU on the money line. I like the San Diego State Aztecs, minus the points against New Mexico State. Um, I like, um, we'll lay the 31.5. I like the Cincinnati Bearcats, minus the 23 against uh, visiting Miami of Ohio. We talked about UMass being one of the worst teams in college football. They are. Pittsburgh Panthers murder them. That's probably going to be a final score of about 50 to nothing. Give me the Pittsburgh Panthers minus the 38 and under the number as well. Uh, Kent State's going to be in a lot of trouble going to Texas A&M. I tell you what, Jimbo Fisher's not going to like take the pedal off the metal and, uh, and ease up. It's moving in on 30 right now, so it's not it's not cheap. All right? It's, it's not cheap, but you know, Kent, Kent State are in trouble here. This one's probably going to be, they probably win by like 35. You know, it'll be like 49, 49, 30, you know, 49, 14 uh, or something like that. All right, so follow us on Twitter because you know you know how we roll. We're going to add a bunch of other picks along the way. Don't forget the Vancouver Whitecaps haven't lost in nine matches. They're going to beat Austin uh, FC as well. Happy Labor Day. Happy college football. Thanks to all of our guests. We'll be back on Tuesday. Other than that, you're on your own. Later.